We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro. And we're here with Bleeding Green Nation managing editor, Brandon Lee Gowden, otherwise known as the BLG, to break down the Rams' huge matchup with the defending champion, Philadelphia Eagles, this Sunday night. Brandon, right away, we'll start with you. How are you feeling after that tough loss this past Sunday? Uh, not good, guys. <laughs> it could be better. Um, but to me, you know, I've just thinking, been thinking about it more and more. And really, I mean, does this season really even matter to me? I mean, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl. I never thought they would win the Super Bowl. I got to see it in person. So that's going to hold me over for a while. 
So wait, you weren't the guy that was caught in the video in the subway running into the, the subway? <laughs> Not quite. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't even in Philly. I was. I was in. I was at a U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, watching the confetti drop, and it was crazy. Now, a year ago, you were supposed to be on our show, and then Carson Wentz blows his knee out, and the crap hit the fan. So finally, we get to have you on and get some real deep discussion on the Eagles Rams. I'm sorry to your lay. It would have been, that was that was an epic matchup last year, and wish we could have talked about it. So welcome, finally, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. And uh, glad to glad to be here too, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> It's always a little awkward sometimes when you talk about the things like that. Steve, you were a representative at the Bears-Rams game. Man, how are you holding up? I mean, like Brandon, not great, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I flew out to Chicago. I, I had a great weekend until kickoff, and then I froze my ass off for three hours and watched the Rams suck. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the atmosphere was great. Uh, the stadium was rocking. Kudos to all the Bears fans. Kudos to all the Rams fans. There was – that out of all the away Rams games I've been to, I think we we're the most well represented at this game. It was clearly, firmly a Bears home game, but more Rams fans than I'd, I'd expect. And I mean, uh, at least the defense showed up. Um, you know, somebody somebody asked me like, "What that game must have been horrible to watch?" And as somebody who sat through Rams Jets two years ago, I could tell you that at least there was turnovers to make it exciting. But other than that, not great. But you know what? It, it was. I'm glad I went. But I mean, I, I kind of wish it went a little better. That's the second straight game where I've heard. You know, first we went into the Detroit game, and, and we were talking about, wow, we're not used to seeing this many Rams fans on the road, and now you're talking right. about the same thing. And one day, I hope we're like Brandon's team, the Eagles, and Eagles travel so well. One day, I hope that's us. I think it's starting to happen, but we have to keep winning. So, I hope the seeds are definitely being planted. Very slowly, it's like a snowplow. Not snowplow, the old school plow, the oak, the the uh, oxen and yoke. So, folks, before we move forward, we do want to remind you that we're available anytime, anywhere. Podcasts can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Don't forget to subscribe and leave those, please. Oh, my gosh. Leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. Also, don't forget our sh- other shows in the network, including Rampage Radio. And, yeah, butting heads with Steve here. Lord knows you, he, he needs your help there. So, all right. Wow. <laughs> I had to throw some shade, a little bit of shade, <laughs> for you making your guest appearance today with uh, Norm out. And, oh, um, man. Real quick, I this is usually where we'll start asking the questions to our guests. But, Brand, if it's okay with you, I want to go ahead and get, get a sponsor out of the way because I just wanted to get you in and out. I know you're a busy man. You're a busy, busy man. So is that okay with you? Do you mind? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so real quick, folks, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor out there. Jim Hawk at Hollywood's team, the great glamour in 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's a great book. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com. And on Twitter, at all of his team, it's available both in hardback and electronic format on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And apparently, it's going to be out in paper soon. So check it out. You can find his book through various other booksellers on the internet, folks. I've read this book cover to cover. It's well worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. 
Again, folks, trust me, check it out. Hall was seen grit, glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawkins. Well worth your time. All right, Brandon. Okay, here we go. We're going to fire away. Help us out here. We're watching the Eagles from far away. I expect the Eagles to come back this year and be better than they are. Uh, what happened? What happened to the defending champs this year? Uh, well, it's a long answer, to be honest with you. I, I think, you know, it, everyone always wants to find that one thing that it was and kind of just be like, okay, we just fixed that and everything's better. And I don't really think that's the case here. I think it's just you can point to many different things being the problem. You look at injuries. The Eagles have 14 players on injured reserve, a number of starters in that mix. You look at just overall regression. I mean, the, the Eagles were just so good last year especially in key areas such as third down and in the red zone. I mean, even if uh, they, you know, they kept all the same coaches, kept all the same players, they're always probably going to regress at least a little bit just because they were so good last year. Now, not this much given now with that said, but um, you know, you look at the coaching, obviously losing offensive coordinator, Frank Reich, who's doing well with the Colts now. And then John Filippo, the quarterback coach who just got fired today, um, losing those guys, I think hurts to some extent. Uh, you look at just uh, Carson Wentz, you know, not being the same player as he was last year, you know, having the ACL injury and all the talk going into this year of will he even be able to play week one? And then the the talk shifting to, OK, he's out there, he's playing, but he might not be truly 100 percent in the terms of he's not moving like he was last year. He has a knee brace that he has to wear now that kind of might limit his mobility and what he can kind of do, not just in talking about terms of running out too, but just being able to move in the pocket, which is so vital to him because he has such a great pocket awareness usually, and he can do some special things back there. So you can really point to a lot of different things. Um, you know, the defense just, you know, getting thinner, losing some key players uh, this off season. Um, you know, you lost Lee Garrett Blunt, you lost, um, to Trey Burton, you just lost a lot of depth on the team in general, so that hurts as well. Um, it, there's just a lot of different things that went into the Eagles, you know, being a worse team this year. And, and NFL is a, a cyclical league, like you know, it's meant to be where the teams on top get pushed to the bottom and the teams on the bottom get pushed to the top. I mean, in general, that's how the league is designed to be, and it's just kind of been a, a tough go. The Eagles, obviously, they're not like you know, bottom of the league in the sense of they're. Yeah, you know, picking high, super high in the draft, they're six and seven. It could be worse, but, you know, it just hasn't been their year, uh, much like it was their year last year. It's just not their year this year. And I think, you know, the saving grace for you guys is A, you won the Super Bowl last year. So now everything after that's kind of a bonus. But B, you know, looking at how they've played and who they've played, all their losses outside of the Bucks in week two. And as we know, the, Week one and two, Tampa Bay Bucks were basically the best team in the NFL. So it, essentially all of your losses were to good, if not very good teams. Um, you know, and outside of the Saints, it, it hasn't they've all been pretty close games. But I mean, as it sits, you guys are six and seven. You're not out of the playoffs, but you'd probably have to win out to do it. And obviously you got us and then Houston, so not the easiest schedule. But I mean, what are you expecting from the Eagles for the for the rest of the season? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, they're still alive in the wild card, you know, for the number six spot. I imagine Seattle will get number five at this point. Uh, the, like you said, the Eagles kind of either have to win out or they can win two games, but then they need both like the Panthers and the Vikings to lose two out of their last three because both of those teams, um, the Vikings uh, have a tie, obviously, in their record. So that means the Eagles have to have a better overall record. And then the Panthers have a head-to-head tiebreaker over the Eagles from earlier this year in a game where the Eagles were up 17-0 and then blew a lead uh, at the end. So not great. They're still alive, again, in that wild card picture. I don't really fully expect them to make it. Like, as you said, uh, they, they have to win probably at least two out of three here and maybe all three. I mean, the Washington game at the end of the season sure looks winnable. But beyond that, I don't know if they're going to beat uh, Houston or the Rams. So we'll see on that front. But overall, kind of just looking to to finish the season as strong as they possibly can in terms of the offense maybe getting a little bit back on track. Carson Wentz looking better than he did, certainly against the Cowboys. Also to avoid possible injuries as much as possible uh, and kind of just turn the page and look forward to, to 2019 at this point. Now, you just mentioned Carson Wentz a second ago and his recovery from the ACL. What have you seen about his recovery from the injury? I know it varies from athlete to athlete. How close is he to being his old self? And really, does he feel confident even being out there? What can you tell from how he's playing? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not the player he was in 2017 when he really should have been the the MVP. Um, and it's just, you know, he he's just not the same. And I think the injury is clearly a big factor there. Statistically, he's really not like that far off from where he was last year. But that kind of just doesn't match up with the eye test. You see him, his mobility just isn't as normal as we're used to it being. He's a little bit more limited in that regard. He just doesn't look fully 100%, not in the sense of like he's still hurt and he's he's injured and he's and um, you can see like he's in pain. Not like that, just the overall effectiveness, I would say, from him. It's just, it's not the same level. Um, you know, you look at last week's game, against the Cowboys and he was pretty awful in the first half. He had only 48 yards. I mean, that just like, that's kind of hard to understand how he could struggle that much. So I think, you know, I don't, I think it's a little bit tough to say like, it's just a hundred percent injuries. Cause I don't like to, to just use that as an excuse, but I think, you know, it is a factor here with him taking a step back again, like I was talking about earlier with the offense in general, kind of experiencing some regression. I mean, I think Carson fits into that too. He was just so good on third down last year that, you know, he was going to see some regression there not to the a level where he's suddenly a bad quarterback, but just to, you know, a more, maybe a nor- more normalized level. So I just think he's taken a step back in some areas. I think the overall, you know, arrow on his career is still very much pointing up still a lot of uh hope for him uh certainly you would hope the eagles you know uh maybe make some different coaching changes not at the head coach level but with the offensive coordinator mike grow former rams coach as you know um kind of make some changes there maybe you know bring in some playmakers to this offense because they really struggle to make big plays you know kind of make some adjustments have him further out from that injury uh, and kind of just hope he kind of bounces back in 2019. Yeah, you're right. Like when you look at his numbers, it's, you know, his completion percentage is up almost 10% and he's only, he's thrown 21 touchdowns to seven interceptions. You know, personally, I was kind of surprised when I checked out his stats because uh, as a Wentz fantasy owner, it's been been a little frustrating, but I mean, no, I'm with you overall. I, I think, He'll be fine long term. It's it was a bad injury. He's he's got I think 
he, he didn't have the preseason, obviously. Mm-hmm. It might just be really about getting his mojo back. And obviously, all the injuries on the opposite side of the ball didn't help. And the coaching's been a little rocky. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he will get his mojo back. But, you know, speaking of people that need their mojo back, uh, our team, the Rams, had a, a brutal performance in primetime on Sunday, as, as I mentioned earlier. But, I mean, looking at that game, Brendan, what did you kind of see in the Rams that could potentially be exploited by the Eagles? And, you know, how do you think they match up overall with us? Well, to be honest, I wish this game was a lot colder because that would probably help. <laughs> um, I was oh, yeah. looking at uh, – I had seen Jared Goff's numbers in, in the cold are like 34 of 72 passing – um yeah for 381 yards zero touchdowns and five interceptions so so that would be great but of course i am sure it is not going to be very cold in los angeles this sunday so that's a big thing the eagles won't have going for them um it's tough it's the eagles are in a tough spot right now because you look at their offense and they're the worst first quarter offense in the nfl they have 28 first quarter points through 13 games so that means they're averaging 2.5 points in the first quarter which which basically means they're starting every game with a deficit or at least at the very like that's that's the uh, at the very best I should say um they are not really getting out to a lead at all that's the best case scenario so they they just they're not able to start strong you pretty much have no faith they're going to be able to because we're you know we're 13 games into the season at this point you feel like if there was going to be some fix if there was going to be some turnaround we would have seen it by now so it's kind of hard for me just to expect that to get fixed and you know it's it's really demoralizing for the team because it's like you just can't get off to a strong start you're starting slow you're playing from behind the whole game you you never have you know the momentum or whatever you want to call it so that's a big issue right now and and i really don't know uh like where the solution is there it almost feels like at this point again it's kind of just have to be fixed in the offseason i don't think it's something you know that they can kind of fix now and and piece together um I think, if anything, it kind of takes Carson Wentz looking like his 2017 self, which, again, you can't put a ton of faith in just because I think, you know, I don't know if he's going to able to really just flip the switch like that down the stretch here. I feel like, again, we would have seen it by now. So the, basically the gist of what I'm saying uh, here is that the, yeah, what the Eagles have been to this point, I think they mostly are. Like, they are what they are. They're They're not a horrible team. You know, I don't think they're, again, like a bottom 10 team, but I think they're closer to the middle of the pack. I think they're just a mediocre team, and that's what their record says. They're 6-7. and seven. You know, it's interesting to me that you mentioned being 13, 13, 13, 13 games in and not expecting much change. That's the same thing we talked about in Sunday Night's podcast after the Rams lost in Chicago. We It's pretty clear what the Rams' flaws are, and our question was, man, what can they fix in these last three games to, to solidify some things? And there are, for example, some pass rushers that Eagles still have available to them that can give this all of a sudden really old-looking Rams offensive line some problems. So what about this Eagles defense? What do they have available to them to disrupt the Rams like the Bears did? And do they have the job, the personnel to get the job done? Well, if you think you know back to last year's game, the Eagles' defensive line definitely gave the Rams some problems. You know, they, Chris Long had that big strip sack, uh, which basically helped give them the lead at the end of the game. 
um, final play of the game. You know, Brandon Graham gets that fumble recovery, recovers it for a touchdown to, to end the game. Uh, so the defensive line definitely can have some success. And that's really one of the biggest strengths of the team remaining at this point. Although it's tough because, you know, last year, part of what made the the, the pass rush rotation so good, especially, was that they had a lot of depth there. You know, they had Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Chris Long. Um, Steven Means would even play sometimes. So you could at least go four deep and sometimes five. Now this year, uh, the Eagles just put rookie pass rusher Josh Sweat on injured reserve. He wasn't really playing much anyway, but he was their fourth guy. And now they only have three guys, and they're all over 30. You know, Michael Bennett's 33, Brennan Graham's over 30. Chris Long is 33, I think, nearing the end of his career. So these are a lot of old guys. And, uh, you know, they just played 99 snaps against the Cowboys, which is insane. That's like two games worth of snaps. So, uh, And they all had to play a lot, too, again, because of the injuries and the lack of depth at the position. So it kind of concerns me when I look at that and think, okay, it's going to be tough for these guys who, you know, they just had to play in a short week going into Dallas, and then they, they play basically two games worth of snaps. They played, again, 99 snaps against the Cowboys. Uh, they're really good players. We saw Michael Bennett really be a force in that Cowboys game. He's played well, pretty well all season. Um, Brandon Graham, he kind of, he's had a slow start to the year, but part of that is because he had ankle surgery in the off season and he kind of really didn't have much training camp and he came into the season kind of just trying to get his legs under him. Uh, so maybe he kind of heats it up a little bit down the stretch. So he's back to closer to a hundred percent. But, you know, it's it's tough, again, because just because these are older guys, they've kind of had to empty the tank, and I think that's especially what the thinking was in that Cowboys game. Like, there's no point of conserving these guys at this point. We have to beat Dallas, and they didn't. And now, you know, I just wonder how fresh that pass rush is going to be, especially when, you know, we're, we're just talking about the defensive ends here. Uh, Fletcher Cox is a beast, certainly, at defensive tackle. You know, him and Aaron Donald are probably, you know, the, the, the premier defensive tackles in the league here. And, uh, of course, you can put Sue up there, too. But um, so, so Cox is a really special player. But the problem is there's pretty much no one next to him. <laughs> the Eagles should be starting Timmy Jernigan on the inside, but he's had he's been on the NFI list for most of the year. And right now he's continuing to deal with back spasms. So I don't know if the Eagles will even have him against the Rams on Sunday. And beyond him, you're playing like 35-year-old Haloti Nada at defensive tackle. You're playing Trayvon Hester, who was on the practice squad earlier this year. Uh, you're playing Bruce Hector, who's an undrafted rookie free agent. It's just there's not much outside of the starters there. And I think that's just really tough, especially late in the season when you're not really having that depth and all the guys are kind of just spent at this point. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned some of our guys in that Aaron Donald, Adavikin Sue. Um offensively, you know, we did talk about Carson once already, but given where that offense is at, you know, a, a lot of our injuries on that side of the ball as well. Obviously, Jay Jive was one of the biggest ones for you guys to lose, but look, given how our defense has been in in kind of like I feel like it's a very bizarre defense to look at when you're not watching every week because a, they have probably the best defensive player in football and a guy who might win MVP in Aaron Donald. And B, they've been kind of cooked a couple times this year, just straight up ran off the field by certain offenses, even if their our own offense helped us escape with a win. But given how everything is right now, how do you think this Eagles offense will match up with this Rams defense right now? 
Well, you would hope the Eagles would be able to go to the run game a little bit more because that was kind of working for them when they beat the Giants. Uh, again, I'll point out that the Eagles were the only team out of the last five games to beat the Giants. The Giants are 4-1. and one. Um, And then the Eagles obviously beat Washington on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. And part of the reason they were able to do that is because they really got the ground game going. And it was uh, a, a refreshing because really the Eagles haven't had a lead back in a long time now. And in the past couple weeks prior to the Dallas game, they were really letting Josh Adams, undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame, take that role. And to his credit, Josh Adams has been very efficient. He's averaging uh, around 5.0 yards per carry this season. So he's been efficient when he's been running the ball. Uh, Last week against the Cowboys, he had 30 yards on his first three carries of the game on the first drive, and then he didn't touch the ball again until – early in the third quarter. So that, that was kind of disappointing to see. And part of that's just because the Eagles offense couldn't stay on the field at all. But even still, I mean, it would be nice to kind of see if the Eagles can get the run going a little bit here, if Adams is going to be that efficient. And I think the offensive line has been blocking pretty well too. So that's all the more reason to do it. And I see here that the, the Rams rank 24th overall in rushing defense by DVOA. So that might be an area where they can attack and with Carson, you know, Wentz coming off this game where he's not playing well, you would maybe want to take the ball out of his hands a little bit and kind of make life easier for him, kind of set up some play action and, you know, make things just a little more simplified for him. Uh, so I think that's the kind of hope there, that you can just have this offensive line open some holes and scheme things up and get creative. And Josh Adams isn't a superstar talent, but he's shown a little bit of juice here and his ability to kind of to make some guys miss and break through tackles. So uh, if I'm the Eagles, I kind of like to see if that would work early on. It's really interesting how you mention how Josh Adams all of a sudden didn't get those carries in that game. And again, I'm finding parallels to our game. Todd Gurley, 11 carries, 28 yards. And we were thinking, it's only, you're only down 15 to 6. You could still run the football, and, and they didn't do it. And that leads me to wonder, in the end, how will the Eagles actually work against that running game of the Rams? What will they try and do, especially on the edges? Because that's where the Bears really forced the Rams to pass. It was they blocked down the edges. They ensured we couldn't throw screens. They 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 locked down Gurley on the edges. What will the Eagles typically do to lock down that section and force the Rams to be a one-dimensional passing team? Well, ideally, I mean, like last year, that was what made the Eagles so good is that they could stop the run. They could make the opponent one-dimensional. They would play with the lead. And they would pretty much be able to tee off on the other team's quarterback. And that worked really well for them. This year, really not the case. Their run defense is not good. There's a lot of missed tackles. I just mentioned to you earlier about like the, the nobodies playing a defensive tackle outside mm-hmm. of Fletcher Cox. So that's a big issue. You're, you know, you're just basically playing with, at best, and, and probably even worse, than replacement-level players next to him. So there's kind of just big holes that open up eventually. And again, just the wear and tear on these guys from having to play so many more snaps than they usually would in an ideal situation like last year where they were rotating so heavily they're just not as fresh so they're going to get worn down probably at some point there are going to be some holes that open up um the Eagles are missing starting linebacker jordan hicks which isn't ideal he might be able to play this week we don't know yet but he's been out for the past couple games so that certainly hasn't helped um and one of those big runs that we saw with Washington, you know, Adrian Peterson had that 90-plus yard touchdown run was where Kamu Gruje-Hill 
who is a backup or he's kind of the Eagles weak side linebacker. doesn't play really play a ton, um, but he's kind of forced into a bigger role now. And on that play, you know, he really got just washed out of the play. He couldn't get off a block. And all of a sudden, Adrian Peterson is rumbling down the field for the longest run the Eagles have allowed in franchise history. So, uh, you know, it, it is, the personnel is an issue. And just the secondary as a whole was really banged up. I mean, at one point this year, just a couple of weeks ago, the Eagles are playing with other top five cornerbacks. You know, they're missing uh, Rodney McLeod back at safety. So that hurts on the back end. And even Avante Maddox, who was playing – who was who a fourth-round rookie cornerback playing at nickel for the Eagles coming into the season. They actually had to move him back to safety because they had no, nothing really else there. Uh, he was he was really showing some potential in preventing some big plays and, and really being able to kind of just be that last line of defense. And with him being out, and again, he might be able to play this week, I don't know yet, uh, that's hurt as well. So it's kind of just, I don't have a lot of faith that they can do it. I saw, you know, we saw last year how early in the game, I remember Todd Gurley, I don't, I don't remember if it was a screen or a run, but like he just, he killed them instantly. Like he just, mm-hmm. he, he got the ball and he just ran down and they couldn't tackle him. So... Uh, if I'm playing fantasy football and I, and I have Todd Gurley, I am definitely playing him this week because I think he'll be able to have success. Yeah, we hope so, uh, especially after last week. <laughs> I, I I would love a nice Todd Gurley game here. I hope he gets 40 carries. But, um, Brandon, should the Eagles actually be able to come out and either come close to or win this game? Who do you think on your side would be the X factor and kind of making that happen? Maybe somebody that we wouldn't expect or – Maybe even somebody that seems obvious. I think it would have to be Carson. Like I think that's their best hope. He just has to look like his 2017 self for this team to have a chance. I just can't. I can't see anyone else really being that impactful. I mean, maybe you could say Doug Peterson. Maybe if he just like has the game of his life in terms of scheming things up uh, offensively, where this team can s- suddenly start scoring again. But, I mean, again, just hard to have a lot of faith in that when you see this team just week after week struggle to score in the first quarter and get off to a strong start. And, like, when I say strong start, I'm not even asking for them to, like, you know, blow out the team in the first quarter. I'm just, let's just have a reasonable start. Like, start out, you know, with some kind of success instead of just looking like they can't even do anything at all for the entire first half, which was the case of the Cowboys game. I mean, total they finished that game with one of nine on their third down conversions. I mean, that's just terrible. Like they, they just, they looked very inept in a league. That's all about pretty much. I mean, for the most part, I mean, obviously we've seen some big defensive performances recently, but on the whole, this season is really about like the offensive explosion in the NFL. And the Rams are certainly a part of that. And the Eagles were a part of that last year, but for many reasons, they just aren't this year. So I, I think, you know, for the Eagles to have a chance in this game, it would have to be Carson, I think when I look at this game, it's not quite as intimidating to me as the uh, the Saints game, which I was pretty sure they were going to lose big. Like that didn't surprise me at all. I just thought, you know, going into New Orleans is just a lot tougher to play. I mean, we saw the Eagles play in, you know, at, at the Coliseum last year, and it's just it's not as tough as New Orleans. And that's and I'm not trying to be dis- disrespectful. I just think, you know, but we saw a lot of Eagles fans at the Coliseum last year, so I think, you know, it's it's, it's not quite that hostile of an environment. I'm sure it'll be loud. I'm sure the Rams fans will, will show out. But um, so I think they, they have a better chance than they did in the saints game here. But I mean, I'm certainly not picking them to win. And I see their, their, um, their 10 point underdogs this week. I mean, I can't just look at that and be like, Oh yeah, they'll definitely cover. That's a big line though. A 10. I didn't realize it was that big. I mean, I, yeah. 
I think I've actually in my prediction I was going to say ten. So I guess uh, I guess I'm with Vegas. I you know, and that's where we're going here predictions because I, that ten point line to me, um, that's all you're going to get out of me right now is um, I kind of caught me off guard. Ten points, really? Ten? No way, it, not ten. And coming off that loss too. Well, I mean, coming that's off that loss. That's steep. So let's go with our guest first, Brandon. We're so glad again you came on the show. Please grace us with your prediction. How are you calling this game? I think it might be a little bit closer at first. I think there will be a point in this game where it is 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 looks like it might be close. But man, I just again, I just I don't see why I should pick the Eagles. Like I don't I don't know what I'm pointing to here that would make me think that. It's kind of just based on like okay, maybe they can kind of recapture the magic of last year. But I just don't think that it's really in this team anymore, and uh, I just don't. I'm not. I'm just not seeing it. So. I'll take them to lose, and I say they lose by a score of um, 31 to 20. Steve? I'm, yeah, I'm very close. I had 30 to 20. Uh, I do think, you know, it will be a competitive game. I could see it being, like, I don't think it will happen, but I think the blowout potential is there considering, you know, the Rams are coming off a brutal loss, and the but in a way where they're going to want to rebound, whereas – the Eagles, you'd hope they want to rebound, but, you know, six and seven, there's also a chance that some of those guys are packing it in. And I don't think they will, but I think that potential is there. But ultimately, I think both teams do come out and play fairly well. I think the Rams hopefully get back into a group here. And I think uh, the 10-point line, it, it seems steep from a bet, betting perspective, but honestly, I, I think the line is about 10. And I guess if there's anything over or under that, I, I might bet it. But I'll go 30 to 20 here, Rams. All right, I'm going to surprise you guys a little bit. I don't think this is a double-digit game. I don't think so at all. To me, yeah, the Eagles, they're almost done. But there's also a lot of veterans on that team who have been through a lot and aren't going to want to go out that way. The Rams are coming off a, a just brutal performance across the board. They, it was like all their fundamentals were lost and went away, especially on the offensive line. They allowed another team to dictate that to them. Philadelphia brings a lot of those same dangers. Um, I just look at it and go, this is going to be a closer game. I'm going to go Rams 27-21, and the Eagles stay in this game the whole way through. It's been a long time since we've seen a Rams blowout. It really has been. And um, unless you count the 49er game, but... Yeah, I was going to say, it's been like count the four, four weeks. <laughs> I don't count the 49er game. I look at the 49 game, those are the 49ers. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those games where they really showed out in that game either. It was an ugly 39-10 win in a lot of ways. And so I think we're going to find out a lot about this Rams team this weekend. And every, and every time that the Rams have been challenged this year, they've risen to that challenge except for the Bears game. Maybe it's a delay. Maybe it's a delay. Maybe they, well, maybe the they de- come back the off Well, the defense showed up. The defense showed up in that they, Bears game. They, they, they gave up 190-some yards, man, rushing. So they did and they didn't. They did, and they didn't. Gap integrity yeah. is pretty rough. Let's just be honest about that. But, um, Brandon, uh, it's a long time to come, and thank you so much for making the show. I, I do, we do a tour around the league every year following the draft. We would like to invite you back, man. You provide a lot of great information, and we'd like to invite you back on it and break that down, break down the uh, Eagles offseason for us, come a tour. Would you please? Yeah, man. Sounds great. I'd love awesome. to. Awesome. Awesome. So, folks – by the way, Brandon and BGN Radio, they are a long time. We are, I'm a long time admirer of their podcast. 
Um, for me, I when we started Rams Talk Radio, we learned a lot just by listening to them about how we want to do this. And so they were a front runner. So if you get a chance to follow them, Brandon, where can folks find you? Where can they find BGN Radio? And check out what you do. Well, I appreciate it, first of all. Again, thanks for having me, and thanks for listening. Um, but uh, you can follow me at Brandon Gowton on Twitter. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-G-O-W-T-O-N. Uh, you can check out my work at Bleeding Green Nation, where I cover the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, for SB Nation. And you can check out Bleeding Green Nation's podcast, which, as you said, is BGN Radio, which is on Twitter, at BGN underscore radio. And obviously, you can check it out wherever you get podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. All those places, Spotify, everything. So thanks again for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks right. for coming on, Brandon. That, that was awesome. Thanks so much. Folks, that's Brandon Lee Gavin, the BLG from Brand, from uh, Bleeding Green Radio. Thanks so much again. Hey, Steve, you up for uh, talk a little about Golden Ram Barbershop? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about the Golden Ram Barbershop, which, of course, is located in the fine Orange County area. And, guys, if you want to support one of your own out there and you like that old-school barbershop experience, Check out the Golden Ram Barbershop. It's at 1375, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez, our friend, opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you. He knows you're getting a nice, knowledgeable Rams fan in there, and he's going to give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Fridays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Once again, guys, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. Visit the Sal shop is worth it. Not only just to enjoy all that Rams memorabilia you're going to find there, it's basically a museum, but Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience, and he's going to talk Rams football with you and anything else. Trust me, guys, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make Derek's blockhead and Norm's funky-looking head look pretty normal. Yeah, Whaley got, got a hold of your head, man. <laughs> hey, once I get out there, nah, <laughs> I, I got days. full faith in One of these days. All right, folks, we got tons of questions on Sunday night, so decided to do a do a mailbag tonight to kind of answer some of those questions, give our insights, and then we'll send you home hopefully a little bit happier than what you were on Sunday night. So first one coming from Sunoco Side Thomas at Team Forguda. Yeah, that's a real name. Okay, who should be the permanent kick return, punt returner come playoff time? You want to take this one, Steve? Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it, too. Um, so, oh, I didn't realize Natson return, returned a, uh, a kick on Sunday. He, it was So they split it? They split it up between Cooper and Natson? They did. Okay, yeah, I, I liked how they were doing Cooper as the kick returner and Natson as the punt returner for now. I think Cooper, outside of the playoffs last year, was so good last year. And Natson has been electric. He's been very fun to watch. But ultimately, I don't think he's been so good to the point where we should just completely remove Cooper from the equation. And also, we have Cooper locked up on a pretty cheap contract for next year. So I think he still ends up being the long-term kick returner and punter on this team. But with the way Nats is playing, it'd be kind of a waste to have him on the roster and not use him. So I like what's going on now, but in after this week when we had those last two games against teams that should be punting the football a lot, I wouldn't mind them kind of switching off on both kick returning and punt returning and, you know, kind of just 
being able to have a healthy competition to see who should get that job for the playoffs. But I think I like them splitting it. And if I could only pick one for both, I think I would still take Cooper. And I can't. I can't take Cooper. And the reason being is because we haven't seen him much this year. We haven't seen the same burst yet. I'm not saying it's not there. We just haven't seen it. Right. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, hey, go put Cooper back out there and trust him to go ahead and do the job. He really hasn't been the same this year since the Atlanta game for obvious reasons. And uh, I look at Natson and he's actually become one of my favorite players on the roster. Now, I'm not trying to be all emotional and be like, hey, non-objective about it. But he still shows that flash to get a couple extra yards here. And he still can make a move to get what we need. And he's been doing it. He's been handling. He has not been fumbling. hasn't been making mistakes. So right now, I'm sticking with Natson. It doesn't mean that come next year it shouldn't be Cooper. We're just not seeing enough of him every game, even when he gets his touches, to show that he's fully back from the injury and back to being the guy that we knew could take it back to the house every time he got on the ball. That's just how, how I view it. So. Right. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, Natson has been a lot of fun to watch. So if he ends up being the partner in the playoffs, I, I'm also very cool with that. Also, this is from Eric Dreyer. This one's kind of harsh. Has McVay forgot Gurley is on the team? It's, Ed, uh, it's Eric Dreyer, E. Dreyer, 4356 on Twitter. Has McVay forgot that Gurley's on the team? Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) by the time this will have come out, I will have said a lot about this, I'm sure, on Butting Heads, which I'm recording with Johnny tonight, doing a little double duty. But, man, (laughs) Goff was playing so bad, so clearly bad. He was so clearly struggling. And they just did not start giving, like, they just didn't give Gurley the ball, like, and I know Sean McVay took full credit for for this. He took full responsibility for the loss. Uh, I don't think he's fully to blame, but he certainly shoulders a fair amount of the blame. And I think in these last couple of games, we will see a, a hefty amount of Todd Gurley, as we should. But, you know, don't expect Gurley to go get at 30, over 30 carries a game, probably at any point. We're just not that kind of offense. And I don't think we should be that kind of offense, but... He needs to get the ball more than on 11 carries. I mean, I don't, like you said with Brandon on, it was 16 to 5. You know, they're playing from behind. And, like, this is somewhat related. I saw when Marlon Mack had a bad game when the Colts lost 6 to 0. I read, like, the Yahoo, like, they always give a little summary on the fantasy of why he has, they had a bad game. And they were like, well, the Colts got behind, so game flow didn't benefit Mack. They were down six to nothing. Like, what do you mean game flow didn't benefit him? And it's kind of the same thing here. Like, yeah, they're playing from behind, but the Bears offense wasn't exactly killing us. And we're not we're not even down double digits. We were never down double digits at any point in this game. There's there's no excuse for him not not getting the ball. And uh, I think it will come back, but yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate and understand that I actually agree with you for the most part. You know, when you have 11 carries for 28 yards and you're only down 15 to 6, and that's really the best player on your team, there is a problem there. There is a problem. And I would have liked to have seen the Rams come out in the third quarter and commit to the run, even if it meant you have a three and out here and there. Even if it meant you struggle, just work on that. Work on that game. Start working the trenches. And they didn't do that. 
But on the same token, it's really important to note that the Bears' defense matches up very well with that Rams' offensive line. It's everything the Rams' offensive line aren't. The Rams' offensive line, they're big on the outside edges there. They are strong. But you know what? They're aging, and they're not very fast. Especially that left side of the line. So, and, of course, Sully, too. So you have Sullivan, age 94,000 at center. Okay. <laughs> Roger Saffold, 31 at left guard. You know, he's been, he's been solid. He's been very good, actually. Okay. And Big Wit, 30, 36, 37 now? 37? These guys are up there. And they're slowing down late in the years. The same thing happened last year. When BLG was just on talking about what the Eagles did to the Rams, it was one of the times last year we really noticed that, hey, this offensive line is getting tired. The Bears' defensive line, that front seven, they have speed to wear these guys down. And what they did was they attacked those offensive linemen and just blew them off the ball. And on the edges, if you go back and look at the film – it was very – we talked about this in the post game. The short passing game needs to be developed because all the Rams really could try was a screen, and the Bears had the screens covered. They took away those edges. So that Bears defense matches up very well against the Rams offense, for them anyways, not for us, for them. And it's while it's easy to just pick on Goff, and Goff definitely played horribly, it's, it reminded me a lot. This is far before your time. I'm aging myself a bit, but it reminded me a lot of the 1989 <laughs> NFC Championship game with the Phantom Sack and how the 49ers defense just kept hitting Jim Everett over and over and over again. And by the time the Phantom Sack play happened, he was just down. And he, he went, nobody touched him. He just went down. He saw it coming down. And so I can't really fault Jared Goff alone. I'm looking at the offensive line going, you got to square this away. You got to right. square this away. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think part of the reason why, and I will probably talk about this and not down the line, if we see the bears again, uh, I, I have been kind of playing the seeds of my Jared Goff can't play in the cold take for a while this season. I stand by it, but I think part of the reason why we're still going to be concerned if we get the bears in LA is because no, I don't think the offensive line should have a problem playing in the cold and they got, their ass kicked on on Sunday night, and it's you know Wit has looked older. Um, I don't think he's been you know he's still one of our best linemen, a very important part of the team. But he's his age is certainly starting to look like it's catching up with him. And you were right about his age, by the way. He turns thirty seven tomorrow. So happy, <laughs> happy, happy birthday, birth- Big Wit. We're sorry to pick on you today, man. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, man, it's it is definitely a little concerning and when we come back to if we get the Bears again in the playoffs, that's going to be probably the the X factor of the game will be how that line performs, not even how Jared Goff performs. I, certainly. I I but I just look at it and go sometimes and Michael Stewart talked about this in the pod too. Sometimes it just is about matchups and not every def- defense will be able to attack the Rams the same way. The Lions are able to do some things against the Rams. The Chiefs are able to do some things against the Rams. But the Bears have the total package. So, to me, it doesn't really matter if they play in Chicago or in L.A. I think the Rams are in trouble against the Bears' defense because just because of the actual matchup problems they bring. And it's really, to me, the personnel at this point. 
it's just the personnel. And I think the Rams, if they can, you know, shake off some of this, you know, some of the, the, the mental scars from that game, if they have any, and come around, they'll be fine. But I don't want to see the Bears again. And now they've set themselves up to see the Bears again. If they go, if they if they keep the two seed, the Bears keep the three seed. They'll see the Bears in the divisional playoff if the Bears win their wild card game. Hey, you know what, man? The Bears have been getting a lot of comparison to our team last year from the preseason when Nagy, even when the offseason when Nagy got hired to, you know, mm-hmm. them kind of being the breakout team this year. So let's hope they finish their season like the 2017 Rams did and choke <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. And they might. They might. And yeah. you've got to hope that the Rams would have gotten back to the film, adjust a few things. And, you know, again, we can't forget, even though they played horribly, they only lost by nine. It wasn't like they were blown out in this game. They right. lost by nine. Okay, so Hector M. at Die Hard Rambly asks, what's up with Oboe? Think we'll see him play this year? And what do you think our run defense, or I'm not sure, what do you think our run defense is underperforming linebackers? I'll go first on this one because I can't wait to answer this one. Oboe, I have in the foggiest. I just think right now they're comfortable with their personnel and – you know, that's who they have and who they need out there. Will, will we see him this year? You need an injury, I think. I think you need to see an injury before they see him on the field. And about the run defense, it is 100% the linebackers. The way Wade Phillips' defense is set up with Aaron Donald is the way the Rams defend the run with the, those defensive linemen is when they're on their way to the quarterback, that's when the run defense, that's when they're going. So the linebackers have to hit those gaps. They have to be in there. The gap integrity has to, be, has to be strong, and they're not really doing it. And this, this, this points at, sorry to say it, because Mark Barron, when you look at the numbers, had really great numbers against the run last year. Shocked all of us, but he's been horrid this year. And it makes me wonder when we'll start seeing Micah Kaiser. And I'm wondering why we haven't seen Micah Kaiser yet. Out there and we're going to see Micah Kaiser next year, man. I, I hate to break it to all the Micah Kaiser truthers out here, but... I will be absolutely floored if they bench Mark Barron for Micah Kaiser. I just I see no reason why. Not that Mark Barron's been great, but you don't bench a guy a that you're giving that much money to, and b is a veteran on the team and has been playing so long for a guy who like looked pretty good in the preseason. And whoa, I whoa, like whoa, Micah Kaiser. I'm gonna disagree, surprise. dude. I'm gonna disagree. I, I mean, we got to see something first, and I hope both him and Oboe get thrown in in those last two games against San Francisco and Arizona just so because I want to see both of them and I think they're both fifth round picks and very promising prospects but look man they're also both fifth round picks and Mark Barron for all his flaws you know I, I, I would let I still think his ceiling this year is might be higher than Kaiser's I look at it and go maybe he's going back to safety because I'm not so sure LaMarcus Joyner is back next year because they're not going to franchise him again so no, yeah, I don't. Back I, to Joyner ain't gonna be back, but he was he also not good at safety. Well, he wasn't great, but like he'll be better than where he's a middle linebacker. The, the fact is that he can't stop anybody right now. He's not hitting the gaps. For all this talk about Kaiser's gonna be sitting on the bench next, that's not why they drafted Kaiser. That's not why they, they they got him to develop him, and he's a better fit for what the Rams need to do with the running game right now. That's just that's just what it is. So to say, well, he's not. He's gonna sit on the bench next year. I don't believe that. I believe. If you go back to the 70s Rams when they went and got Nolan Cromwell, they drafted Cromwell and they said, Cromwell, we're going to sit you for one season, play special teams, learn the position, and then you're in next year. That's what I believe they did with Kaiser. 
Remember, Kaiser's a fifth-round pick, but he dropped to five. He should have been taken long before that. That's where yeah. they went and got him. And so, no, I think he, I think he will be a factor next year. I just, I don't see them benching Barron this but season. You're missing, but you're missing one thing, and that's Barron's cap number. His cap number is perfect to be cut. We can cut and get minimal losses back. They yeah. don't have to bring him back next year. No, I know. I don't think he'll be back next year either. But um, when I when I was doing that research, his cap number, I believe it was more dead cap next year than it was this year. I, I could be wrong. But well, either way, I, I think – yeah, I think I, he I didn't either... know this discussion was coming, so give me a second, folks, to go look that up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to go to, go to war with you on this. I'm just sitting there thinking it's – he's not doing the job. He's, and they yeah. need somebody in the middle right now to make that defense work, and he's not that guy. Man, what what would you give right now for the Dallas Cowboys linebacking core? Oh, I mean, it would be amazing. And uh, linebacking has been a problem for a while, and it's they're definitely the main culprits on the run defense side. I think, unfortunately for Mark Barron, you know, he converted so well to a linebacker because hey, he's not an inside linebacker, and he's never – you don't turn a safety into a middle linebacker. And he did so well in Greg Williams' system because he was playing outside linebacker, which ultimately I think is his position. I think kind of like what happened to Robert Quinn, who obviously is a, was a much better player at his peak, but they, they weren't really, they're not really great fits for Wade's system. And, you know, I, w- I want to see Kaiser mixed in a little bit as the season goes on before I say he should be the guy – that fills in for Baron now this season, but uh, I, you know, maybe I was a little premature to completely dismiss it, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think they they trust Baron a little bit for you know whatever reason. But the numbers don't don't show that, Steve. It, the numbers in terms of on field performance don't show that. He's ranked at, for a, for a PFF. They showed during the game his ranking coming in was out of 85, 84th in the league at linebacker. Here's his cap number for you. Uh, his cap hit next year is $9.66 million. Okay, his dead cap hit, though, is $2 million. His dead cap this past offseason was $9.4, and I, th- I believe they restructured him. So he's got a really low dead cap. And if they, if they release him in uh, for 2020, it's a $1 million dead cap hit. So he yeah. is on the line, I think, coming this offseason. He's either getting restructured or he's gone. I think they would eat the two million dead cap to save seven million in regular cap. I think they have a lot of needs and um, they have guys they want to bring back. You know, I think they'd rather, even if they gave up the two million, I think they'd rather put that seven million or not the whole seven million, but back into like Corey Littleton, who I think is a guy they like. And they like, but even so, I want to see some growth from Corey Littleton too. You know, and this goes into our, into our, I believe, our last question here. And uh, this comes from Rudy Hires, one of, actually who was our founder before he moved on, one of our founders here at Rams Talk. He asked this, there obviously will be multiple changes on the Rams D next year, Suds on a one-year deal, to leave one-year deal, etc. What order of priority should the Rams address defensive positions this offseason? Steve? I think linebackers first both inside and outside, you have guys that you can bring back. You know, like we said, Littleton, um, he'll be interesting to watch because you're right, we do need to see some growth. But I, depending on how much other teams are interested in him, you know, if we could get him at four or five million a year, absolutely bring the guy back. That's, 
that's fine money for a guy in, in his position as a starter who's growing. Outside linebacker, we're going to have to make a decision on Dante Fowler. That'll be interesting. I'm not sure if the money's going to work, but if the money does work, I'm sure both sides would like to make a deal. Fowler, I, you know, he hasn't been perfect for us yet, but I think I've seen some improvements and things I like. And regardless, he's he's clearly our best outside linebacker, I think. So that would be number one. Number two would be the secondary. I, I personally think they should just bring back Tlaib and Peters and just keep that duo together. Uh, they're both they both have very cuttable contracts next year, but at the same time, they're already here. They know the system, and when they play together, they've looked good. Obviously, Peters has had his terrible moments this year, but um, they don't have long term money commitment. The Rams, they don't really have the money to give out long-term right now. And I think you ultimately end up keeping both those dudes. And then third would be D-line. Uh, I know a lot of people don't think Ndamukong Sue is going to be back. Uh, I think there is a chance that he does come back on another one-year deal if he's willing to. Uh, I'm not certain. I don't feel like – I think it's 50-50 probably. And I think you, if they could lock up a younger player at linebacker long-term, they probably move on from Sue and spend that money on him. But uh, Michael Brockers is another guy next year who has an opt-out. I, I don't see it happening. I think ultimately that D-line, uh, Donald and Brockers are definitely going to be there. And even if Sue's not back, I think we all like John Franklin Myers quite a bit. And, you know, there's going to be guys that they could get, whether that's through the draft or free agency for cheap, that could fill that spot. They won't be in the Dominican Sue, but... Uh, if you could get somebody more valuable at a different position, I, I do think you move on. But if he wants to come back in a one-year deal, I think the cap works in his favor. All right, so I'm similar to you. I'm going to zero in a little more. I think middle linebacker is the first thing they need to hit, if possible. And, and um, first, that's the first thing. Second is going to be, to me, corner. Not just because of not – be, not because – of 2019 but of 2020 and afterwards I think you start to start grooming somebody to come in there because we're not sure what kind of corner we're going to have until even next year and then I go back to defensive line I do think Sue will be back and I think there's a chance he'll sign a multi-year deal I think at this point where he is I don't think the Ram- I think the Rams got him on a one-year deal because how the cap works I think he wanted to see how he'd like it, and he seems to like it just fine. After a while, teams stop wanting to sign players who are just rentals. And so I don't really see him being all in that much of a hurry to leave Los Angeles. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's back again on a one-year deal or a two-year deal with a little bit less money going in there, and they can't pay him $14 million again next year. It's got to be somewhere around you know 9 or 10 if they're going to be able to make it work. But I think there's a better chance than what most folks – I'm seeing online or saying. I'm not saying it's going to happen either. I'm just saying there's a better chance than what we can imagine. Finally, Joyner's not back next year. Who's your safety? Right. I'm, yeah, I, I forgot to mention risk. him, but that's why I put secondary second is because they need to fill that. And I personally believe it will be through the draft, but I, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% sure in my mind Joyner's gone because I don't think, he'll, I don't think his pride will let him take a, the contract he's worth now. He should have signed a contract last offseason, to be honest with you, because to me, his value has gone down this year because he hasn't been nearly as good this year. Let's just be honest about it. They've had all kinds of communication issues back during that secondary, and that's really on him at this point. At safety, it's, it's him. 
his, the, the guy next to him is John Johnson. He's younger. He doesn't. He's not supposed to know the stuff that Joyner knows. So they should be looking towards him, Joyner. And that hasn't happened yet. So I'm looking at that, going, you know, I don't really think he's back. I don't. I believe he's. I 100 percent believe he's gone. And maybe I'm wrong, but but I don't see the monetary value fitting with what Joyner does right now. It does not mean that Joyner is a garbage player. It just means market for what he has done this year compared to last year. He's just not going to be worth as much. But here, Steve, one thing. the This just came out today, just a couple hours ago. The salary cap next year is expected to rise by 6%, which will put it at – which would add about 10 to $14 million more dollars to of cap space to the Rams. That's right. something to think about. Yeah, I and mean, uh, if you guys are interested in this kind of stuff, uh, go on Rams Talk and read the cap article I wrote a while ago. I factored in a $10 million bump in that piece because that's kind of how it's gone every year. 14 though, that, that would be big. And uh, I, I agree, I do think Joyner's gone. But because he's gone, I, I do think there is a chance Sue would get close to the same amount of money he got this year if he signs a one-year deal. And I know they don't want to keep bringing in rentals, but at the same time, they got to be careful with how they spend their long-term cap. They really have, with Jared Goff coming up, they have room for one one big money long-term acquisition. Obviously, Sue wouldn't be that guy. He would be on a much lower deal if he signs long-term. But I thought it was, before the season it was a sure thing that it would be Marcus Peters. I'm not entirely sure about that anymore. I still think there's a chance he gets a, a fairly big extension from the Rams at some point. But after 2020, Goff is going to be making a lot of money. So is Aaron Donald. To a lesser extent, so are Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley. And after, I think we'll see a lot of one or two year deals this offseason, um, and then hoping that they could get some swings in the drafts that they like. And that's the one thing we have to that has to be an X factor for the Rams is the Rams in the last two years have drafted very, very well, and they I mean they've really turned it up a notch there. So. We'll see. We'll see. All right, folks. It's time for us to turn out the lights, shut the doors, go to sleep. Uh, If you are interested in advertising with us, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. It's fully updated. I can tell you right now, since September of last year, our listenership has grown by, I kid you not, we did the math. Yes, I did math. I can't believe it either. 12,000. 500% 500% since September of last year. Our listenership has gone up. Um, thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, uh, it's made a big difference for us, and uh, we hope that you continue to check in with us. And uh, yeah, there you go. That's that's my little shtick for the night. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, D.C. Paula, and Steve Ribeiro at Steve Ribeiro. Don't forget us on iTunes, please, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. We are everywhere. everywhere. For Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Paula. Take it easy. We'll see you Sunday. We will see you then. No, seriously, we'll see you Sunday, right? You guys will be there. (laughs) They better be there. All right, we'll see you Sunday. Take care.
control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.